This is Digitech Futures, a Bournemouth University podcast series. We'll be exploring the latest digital developments and speaking to leading researchers about the technology that could shape our world and revolutionise the way we live and learn. In today's episode, we'll be looking at how the latest interactive technology has helped bring a historic novel to life. Visitors to the graveyard at St Peter's Church in Bournemouth can find the burial place of Mary Shelley, author of iconic novel Frankenstein. But to mark the 200th anniversary of the story's release, an interactive app from Bournemouth University allowed them to explore a whole lot more. The location-aware app called Shelley's Heart gave visitors the opportunity to journey through the life of Mary Shelley and her companions through multimedia stories based in the graveyard. Jonathan Beale spoke to one of its creators. I'm here today with Dr. Brad Giori. He's a senior lecturer in digital storytelling at Bournemouth University. Brad, we're going to talk a little bit about immersive technologies and immersive environments. And one of the recent projects that you've been working on is Shelley's Heart. Could you start by just telling us a little bit more? Sure. It's a, Shelley's Heart is a locative learning tool, which means it contains uh, media content that's been geolinked to actual physical spaces. So in this case, a unique heritage site of Bournemouth is St. Peter's Churchyard because that's where Mary Shelley is buried. And for the 200th anniversary of the publication of Frankenstein, which was 2018, I developed this project where you could walk around in the churchyard and using a smartphone, you can unlock different scenes. Um, And the scenes feature modern-day alter egos of Mary Shelley and then her friends, uh, Lord Byron, John Keats, and her husband, uh, Percy Shelley. There are four different pathways, one for each character, and they intersect in different ways. And You can wander around the churchyard and unlock both fictional uh, scenes, but also some information about the real historic figures that these fictional characters are inspired by. And I suppose this is taking it just a little bit further than VR, which we all know now as a sit-down experience, pop the Google glasses on, and you're immersed in that world, but you're still sat on your sofa. But this is still using the location still taking in the sights and sounds and feels of Bournemouth as it may have been in the day. It's mixed reality and, and, and it pushed to a far degree because as the piece was being developed, we actually did a theatrical version of it that debuted, um, appropriately enough, at the Shelley Theatre, which is in Boscombe, once owned by the Shelley family, the one surviving child of Mary Shelley. And uh, he was an aspiring playwright. So in his home, they had built this theater, which is now a local theater. And it was the perfect place to debut this, this version of the piece. We did it as an interactive piece, so the audience actually had little clickers in their hands, and they could sort of co-direct the how the play uh, unfolded, and they could influence how the diff- which different scenes and how they played out. And then we videotaped that performance, and some of that footage has found its way into this locative version. So, if you're stood by a location in the churchyard and you're accessing the scene, you will see footage that was actually shot on location in that same spot where you're stood with actors in wardrobe playing out roles. But it'll also be intercut with bits of the stage play. So now you're seeing them in a theatrical setting. And you also can look around at the physical environment and recognize things in it that you're seeing in the uh, on the phone as well. So it's meant to sort of operate in multiple levels at once which is something that I think is uh, appropriate to the structure of Frankenstein, which is a a story that's told from multiple points of view 
and uh, across different time frames. Although you might say we're kind of looking at the future of digital media, film, audio, all those multimedia elements, it's actually the present. People studying today at BU are going into exactly this kind of world where they're working on a great breadth of content. Right. I mean, I'm a program leader on the creative writing MA course, but I also work with the journalism department, which is a multimedia. We call ourselves the BAMJs because it's, it has multimedia right in the title. Students studying on that course are learning how to work across all of these different platforms. So we teach them broadcast and radio and online and print. I'm teaching a class right now where we teach them to do iDocs, which interactive documentaries. So they're doing nonfiction journalism, but they're doing it with branching stories that people can immerse themselves in and, and navigate through. And so this isn't just a fictional world. This is a tool that's being used in a, in a journalistic sense as well. Well, I think I, for Shelley's heart, it might be stretching it to call it journalism, but it certainly operates as an educational tool. Uh, anybody who's curious about uh, Mary Shelley and the Romantic Poets and Frankenstein could certainly discover a lot of interesting information by engaging with it. Also, because it juxtaposes this fictional story of original modern-day characters who are inspired by Mary Shelley and the Romantics with the actual backstories of these historic counterpoints, there's a lot of opportunities for critical thinking, sort of mapping these two things across uh, in relation to each other. How do these fictional stories relate to the real stories of Mary Shelley and the Romantics? So, for instance, the modern uh, character of Mary uh, is uh, has a very active imagination like Mary Shelley. She believes that she maybe is a reincarnation of Mary Shelley. She believes that she has been seduced by the ghost of Percy Shelley. She's pregnant, but the child has stopped moving. She wants to rescue this. She thinks if she can reconnect with this ghost that maybe he can save the child. All of this is tied into themes of Frankenstein, because Mary Shelley had a lot of anxieties about childbirth. She lost three children uh, in childhood. Her mother died 10 days after giving birth to her. She nearly died due to a uh, late-term miscarriage. And you see that in the Frankenstein myth, somebody trying to bring uh, a dead body back to life. And you could you can you, you tie that into her own psychology and her own biography, and you see the sort of resonance there. And I think by depicting it through this fictional frame tale, it brings out some of these ideas and these themes. There's a lovely connection between that rebirth and then you choosing to take this on as a, an entirely new form of media, trying something new, which I'm imagining if Shelley had the chance would have been the same. What was it that really kind of inspired you to put it in this form? At first, it was sort of an abstract idea about what if you could move from if you could stay in the center of a, a particular dramatic scene it was as it was unfolding without losing that tension, but hop around from different perspectives of characters. And I had always heard this idea, or I'd recently actually heard this, that, that Percy Shelley's heart was buried in the Shelley tomb along with Mary Shelley. And I just thought that was so interesting. I didn't even know how it wound up there or what the backstory was. I only found that out later. But I thought that's something, there's something really evocative about that because a heart, as a metaphor, uh, really resonates with a romantic poet. Uh, and, but it's also, there's this physical idea of a heart, which resonates with sort of the Gothic and the idea of the Frankenstein myth. So I knew there was something really potent in that idea. And I, it's one of these cases where the, the title came to me maybe before almost anything else. I just thought Shelley's heart, there's something really around that. 
And then it just became a matter of sort of unpacking the other details. I think around the 200th anniversary, a lot of people were doing things related to Frankenstein. And Frankenstein has been done so many times in so many different ways. Um, I was glad to be doing something that was uh, different than that. It was more focused on the actual historic figures. The Frankenstein's monster does uh, appear in the piece. Uh, He sort of is a in the backdrop of these different storylines and in each one of the story paths he ultimately appears and confronts the characters but he represents different things to each character based on whatever that character's dramatic challenge is so he winds up sort of being the final obstacle that each one of them john mary um, percy and byron have to confront and i wanted to ask you a little bit more about your students um, and how they receive this kind of new type of content, or whether they decide outright that they're just going to create interactive content. Well, in terms of the students uh, I'm teaching, it's a different sort of mindset. And part of the challenge is, is to get people who've been used to sort of, you know, journalists are, are great at shooting from the hip. They have to hit deadlines. In terms of a newsroom, we get them used to the idea of like, okay, you're going to go out this morning, you're going to shoot something, you're going to put it together, and we're going to put it on the air in the same day. So that's very sort of you're working at a very rapid pace, and you're working in a very sort of autonomous way, which is very different than designing something that's interactive where, you know, there's a design uh, mantra, fail early, fail often. And so the idea is you need a prototype, you need a user test, you need to see how other people react to your work and then respond to that. So for this class, uh, for instance, this year, for the first time, I said, I want to just demystify this right off the bat. So in the very first day of class, I had them, I gave them batches of index cards, and I had them do little paper prototypes of just a rough idea of some sort of interactive piece, and then trade off and, you know, across different, they worked as teams, they would come up with one, and then they would critique each other's stuff. So one team would look at this prototype of the other team, give them user feedback right off the bat, and then they would document. They would say, okay, what are the pain points? What are the things where people are frustrated? What are the things that they really like about this interface? So immediately getting a sense of the value of having people navigate through some sort of interactive design you've created. Because that's the thing that I think is people underestimate often is you can't guess how people are going to uh, experience your thing. For Shelley's heart, I've never done a project that I've had. I've I've sought out feedback for so much, and you know, from the first time I I went to the churchyard with some MA script writing students, and we had printed out copies of the script, and we walked through the churchyard, and they read out the different parts, and I took notes based on their response to it to doing ones where we would be in a classroom, but we would be sort of doing an interactive version of it and they're voting on how things would proceed, to a staged reading, to the play, to finally this locative version. There's a, you, you're constantly prototyping and testing and learning and refining based on that. I'm kind of imagining this sort of decision-making kind of crossroad where ideas can take different avenues. Say you're reading a newspaper and you've seen the small story, a nib, news in brief on the corner, And it's just one part of a bigger story. But what you're telling is the whole story. And the viewer, reader, listener 
can take whichever pathway they desire. And that changed, I mean, quite a bit between the theatrical version and the locative version. So if you think about the challenge of, you know, you're, you're doing it in a theatrical space. You have three live actors on stage. They have monitors that actually have video that are going to play that are sort of other ghostly characters. So it actually feels like it's got a larger cast than it really does. And they interact with these characters on the monitors. There's a monitor that was actually in the shape of the Shelley tomb and it had a big screen on the front of it built into it and in that you would see pictures of the go- you know video with the ghost of Percy Shelley talking to the other characters or the monster interacting with the other characters but there was there were two other monitors there was another one built into a tomb and then there was a giant screen at the back so you had it was it was visually it was very rich in multimedia but because they were in one space the characters all had to be sort of yoked together dramatically they had to go from one area of the churchyard to another area to another area, all at the same time in the same sequence. The audience could vote on whose perspective that we would see a particular scene from, and they could even go back and say, well, now let's see it from a different perspective. But what they couldn't do was say, let's wander off into different areas because the, the actors had to stay together physically on that same stage. When we switched it to a locative version, one of the first notes I got from the programmers was, what if they could just follow the different characters around different paths? And then if 20 people went to the churchyard, they wouldn't have to walk around in a big clump. They could break apart and explore different things. And those paths could also branch amongst, you know, off from, there could be tangents within those paths where they would branch and then maybe converge back. They could also interweave across the other paths. and I love that idea, but of course that meant a lot more work because then we had to do more shooting, we had to build out these stories more, we had to do more audio recording, but that's ultimately what we wound up doing. And that's why if you go to the churchyard now, if you went with the group, people would wander off in different ways. Like when we did the debut on the night, it was really interesting to see these different people go along these different paths and sometimes you know wind up in some of the same locations together and compare notes and then move apart again. Fantastic. So, Brad, tell us a little bit more about how we can access Shelley's Heart. If you go to the website Shelley'sHeart.com, that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-S-H-E-A-R-T.com, you'll be able to explore a little bit. You'll be able to access the site. It's it's ho- hosted on a place called Story Places, which is a locative uh, app. So if you're actually at the churchyard, it will has a sat-nav feature that will follow. You can sort of see how you're navigating around. You can also go into a, there's a feature that allows you to do it remotely if you want. So if you go into demo mode, you can just, wherever you are, you can go ahead and explore uh, the different paths. It's, it's available for free. Fantastic. Dr. Brad Giori there, Senior Lecturer in Digital Storytelling at Bournemouth University, who goes by the pen name Bradford G. Visit bournemouth.ac.uk forward slash digitech futures to find out more about BU's work and research into immersive environments. Keep listening to our podcast series to learn about the digital and technological advances taking place here at Bournemouth University.